This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, but specifically we are left to sift through the wreckage of a defeat and a potentially particularly damaging damaging defeat at Newcastle, of course, last night. Uh, the Blues slumped to a 3-1 loss um, and pretty much got what they deserved, a poor performance. A reality check, perhaps, for Frank Lampard. He said he wasn't surprised, but you have to wonder whether what he saw at St. James is actually is giving him some food for thought. Uh, Adam, you sat there alongside me in the ground. Um, just give us your thoughts this morning as the dust settled on, uh, I think, that's a 12th uh, league defeat of the season. Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> it's 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 really not great. I think what you've said was right there. It was a pretty pretty demoralising and disappointing performance. Uh, Frank Lampard said that he probably wasn't wasn't really that surprised by it because it was all it was all the same mistakes that we've seen uh, so many times this season, haven't we? You know, sloppy sloppy play, especially in the midfield. I have, I have to say, uh, in terms of you know short passes, I think that was letting us down. Right from the first few minutes, uh, disorganised play in defence. I think, especially when Yeri Mina was took out of that that back line, I think things uh, things went a little, a little bit downhill in that sense. And uh, set pieces again, <laughs> uh, failing to mark a man on a set piece, and and that's uh, that's that's let the side down again. So you know, th- these are the kind of mistakes that we have been seeing all season. So yeah, I think Frank Lampard's quite right to say that he wasn't really surprised by it, but I think it was. It, it was at the same time quite heartening to hear his comments after the game of him saying, you know, there's no there's no magic wand that's going to be able to fix this in the space of, you know, what's a, what's essentially a week. Even even if we did have a confidence building performance against Brentford, that wasn't ever going to be the be all and end all for for this side, was it? This squad of players has been failing for far too long this season. I don't I don't think any any of us really believed that one win was going to instantly be able to turn things around and. You know, a defeat like this kind of does bring you back down to earth a little bit, and you know, obviously, it does open up a, a pretty, uh, pretty terrifying prospect down at the bottom of the table. But uh, I, I think it just kind of highlights the situation that we kind of already knew the side we're in. This is this is a, a team that's probably playing the worst football in the league at the minute. Is in the worst form in the league at the minute. Uh, and uh, you know, dropping dropping down the table like a stone, and I, I don't think Frank Lampard under any sort of illusions about the task that's that's facing him now. And so, yeah, it probably was a, a little bit of a reality check for him, but I think it was quite heartening to hear him after the match saying that he did kind of expect this, and you know, that hopefully there's a, there's going to be a plan to try and turn things around in the future because there's good, we've just been talking before the podcast there. There's some there's some important games coming up in the next few weeks. Um, Bees, <clears throat> Lampard not surprised, but given the way that the team had played on Saturday against Brentford and the, and the reaction he'd got in such a short space of time, he must have, and I think we all did, expected much better. And yes, he, as I say, he says he's not surprised because, you know, he understands that these problems are there. But that still was not good. Like, of course, it wasn't good enough. But it was still unacceptable what what, what the the players served up. Yeah, yeah. You, you do hope that that managerial bounce can continue over just one home game. Um, it it's like 
Newcastle United, I didn't think they showed amazing quality. You know, they were going into the fixture, second bottom in the Premier League. And other than um, St. Maximum, they, um, they, they weren't incredibly gifted players, but they just showed the stomach for the fight. They were, they were up for it. They were showing the attributes that Everton should be showing, just that hunger, that desire. And it's all well and good turning it on when um, Brentford come to Goodison in the FA Cup and the no great shakes and they sort of get balled over by the atmosphere and the players are up for it. But these same Everton players have got to go to St. James's Park, roll the sleeves up and get stuck in the way that Newcastle were. They, they just wilted in that second half. And there's far too many times this season. It's, it's, it's that inconsistency. I've got a piece going up at four o'clock about it and we're looking about the, the reoccurring problems here. Um, obviously, the set pieces, again, you know, within... <laughs> Seconds of going ahead through their own own goal, they, they concede at the other end again from a corner kick. Um, the fact that um, they didn't build on that good result at the weekend. Um, how many times have we said this this season? Um, Arsenal that should have been a watershed moment was um, build on the, the euphoria of that comeback victory against Arsenal. Then they served up three one at Crystal Palace next game. Even going back to Burnley at the start of the season when they won three one, three quick goals in six minutes. And then they sort of get blasted away in similar fashion by Aston Villa next time out. So it's it's the problem with this group of players. I don't think they lack in the ability, as all those are debates I have there. I think they should safely be somewhere within the middle of the table based on their ability. But they just do not have that. I hate to say it, but they're not showing it at the moment. That stomach for the fight, and that is deeply concerning. Mm. You know, two two games in, very small sample size. But but Lampard has at least got a scoring first. That's something, and we're having more of the ball. The problem is, Gav, last night particularly. Well, last night because on Saturday we we did use it well. We had more of the ball, but we didn't do anything with it. And there was that potent combination in the second half of having little resistance at the back and showing next to no threat going forward. Yeah, apart from that, was all right, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Advisory accordingly. One saying I've got no problems apart from defence and attack. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the yeah. I mean, it was I think mm. big difference last night, as I said on Monday's pod. That I felt that Brentford's complete inadequacy sort of made us look maybe far better than what we we truly are on on uh, on Saturday. And I felt last night, even though Newcastle, can't remember somebody said today that a team of a decent team would have beaten both sides yesterday. You know, we were on the pitch because Newcastle not exactly real pieces themselves. But yeah, you're right. Um, I think do we do we throw in the the, the card of Demare Gray going off after 25 minutes here, where you've got a pattern of play in place, and then that disappears. And and I think if you Ali's by no means a well. No, no. I think Connor it was a good shout by Connor saying he wasn't. Shouldn't think he was fit to start on the on on Monday. Said in Monday's podcast, and I just felt we lost something then. Felt Town then was probably more vulnerable because Ali's not a left side midfielder, and the balance of the team was lost a little bit for me. Um, so you then got a like a left left sided. Midfield that who's playing effectively playing fullback then with nobody in front of him, um, so I felt that that didn't help. Yeah, and we, 
the passion that was crisp and confidence on Saturday disappeared somewhat, didn't it? And I think Newcastle countered countered that, you know, well. And as you say, we haven't got some of the strongest going back to what Chris was saying here, you know, we haven't got some of the strongest characters in the in the Premier League, have we playing for us at the moment? And I think that didn't help as our heads went down, didn't they? And then second half was really disappointing, wasn't it really? I mean we offered virtually nothing up front. And as you say, passing wasn't great. And defensively we were we were we were suspect. Though the only the only saving grace for me the evening was thought Van der Beek when he came on. Thought he did he did more than half an hour than David Classen did in half a season. <laughs> um to be fair, I thought he looked um thought he looked sharp and he looked imaginative and he, he looked tidy when he came on. And hopefully he can bring some of that for us on, on Saturday. I would like to see him start on Saturday if that's what he can do for us. Mm. And of course, uh, <clears throat> Adam, Gav mentioning there, um, Demario Gray injury, uh, forcing him off early in the second, early in the first half. We wait and see how bad that injury problem is. But of course, you know, as as Benitez before him found out, Frank Lampard is discovering. Everton do seem to have persistent injury problems and, and, and with with nobody more so than Yeri Mina, who picked up a quad problem. Um, I think his performance in that first 35 minutes before he had to come off pretty much summed Yeri Mina up, didn't it? We had, <clears throat> you know, we had the crazy showman, WWE stuff, wild passes that almost got us into trouble, goading the opposition centre-back. Then he had a period where he looked comfortable and strong and good, and then he gets injured. I mean, if that doesn't sum up Yerry Mina's Everton career, I don't know what does. Yeah, it, and it, and it's, again, isn't he? So, yeah, that's the problem. Like, it, it just adds to the to the issues that we've already got at centre-back. You know, obviously we had Ben Godfrey going off early in the Brentford game. Uh, we've, we've got Michael Keane, who's not consistently good enough. We've got Mason Holgate, who's not consistently good enough. Got Jared Branthwaite, who's still a young player and you know needs to adapt to this sort of Premier League level. And I would suggest that his performance last night kind of summed up that attribute about him as well. You know, he he did kind of I wouldn't, wouldn't want to say wilted under the pressure, but you know, it, it it did seem as if he was feeling the pressure from the crowd a little bit more than uh, others might have been around him. So yeah, like Yeti Mina's issue just just adds adds to all that. And you know, we've got. You know, on his day, he's probably Everton's best quality centre back, and you know, I think everybody throughout the season has just been kind of saying, "Oh, when Yeni Mina's when Yeni Mina's fit again, then uh, you know the the defence is gonna is gonna sort itself out." But as soon the, as soon as he gets himself fit, he plays about two games, and then and then he's out again. You know, Frank Lampard was saying, you know, it initially looks a little bit concerning about Yeri Mina's injury. So, you know, he's going to be assessed over the next couple of days and we'll have to wait and see how long he's going to be out. But, you know, those kind of words don't don't necessarily scream to me that he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks sort of thing. Although I did think it was quite admirable that he tried to play on through the through the issue. You know, there's... Just... Is, it admir- is it admirable or is it just... Is it actually just kind of... And I feel like I'm really harsh on Yeri Mina all the time and I don't mean to be, but... Trying to play on when you've clearly got a, 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 a quite a significant quad injury is mm. not just a bit. I don't know. Is it foolish? I don't know. I mean, ultimately he comes off and it doesn't matter. But yeah, he could have done more by by being. There, there is a fine line, I guess, isn't there, between being 
determined and wanting to play through the pain barrier and actually being yes. daft and playing through the pain barrier and actually doing more damage by staying on the pitch. So, I, th- I, th- I think for me, it, ju- it just made me feel a little bit sorry for him because I think, obviously, he'll have known how serious the, the issue was. And I think perhaps his determination to play on wasn't based on just that game in itself and helping the team through. It was like, oh my God, I, I can't I can't get injured again. I can't sit I can't sit on the sidelines again. I've got to show that I can that I can play through these type of things because I, I can't like I, I I've got no doubt in my mind he doesn't want to be seen as this perennially injured sort of sort of player, does he? But that's that's unfortunately the way it's turned out of being. And you know, you you described his performance before. I think he had a yeah, well, I think the whole team had a bit of a shaky start to the game, but I think it was probably typified by him. He made a couple of loose passes, one into the midfield and one towards Michael Keane, which probably G'd up the uh, the Newcastle attackers a little bit. But then, as you say, like, he got into a really physical battle with Chris Wood. We were seeing him wind up Chris Wood a little bit. He started to look loads more comfortable when he was in that sort of battle. And, you know, they, that's the sort of thing that you're like, yes, this is this is what we wanted to see from Yeni Mina. And then, as you say, after like 20 minutes of that, He's he's injured again, so it, it is it is just so so frustrating because you know as supporters there's there's just nothing you can do about it, is there? You know you can only you can only sit and hope that Yeni Mina can get himself fit again, but it's you know it's getting to the situation where he's just he's just unreliable. <laughs> his his fitness is just completely unreliable, and when you pair that with the fact that you know Everton have got you know two other senior centre backs who I would say probably aren't consistently good enough, one. Who's maybe well? He's definitely not hit hit heights this season that he did last season. Maybe he's still trying to refine his best form. And you've got another who's you know a promising youngster, but he still needs time to develop. You know, it, it 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 does become a little bit of a concern and situation at centre back for Everton. If you if you're looking ahead into the summer and maybe a, a, over to the to the next few years as well, because you know you just you just don't know how, how this situation is going to resolve itself really. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Chris, the situation, the wider situation that does need to resolve itself and we hope and pray is in a positive answer is actually Everton's league position. And you described it before, it's deeply concerning. If you look at the table today, obviously the gap to the bottom three is now obviously three points. Obviously Everton have got a game in hand on Norwich. But you look at the teams around, Chris, where we are. We've lost to Newcastle below us. We've lost to Norwich below us. Yeah. We've lost to Watford below us. Yeah. We've drawn with Leeds. We've lost to Brentford and we've lost to Palace. How, I mean, you've called it deeply concerning and, and we've talked for weeks about we're in a battle, we're in a fight. But after last night losing to Newcastle in the way we did, I mean, you said deeply concerning, but just give me an idea and give people an idea, listen, how worried you are about, about what's yeah. ahead. Yeah, it's it's a double whammy though, isn't it? Because twice within a month now, what they, they don't just lose to a team in the bottom three. They now they allow these other teams to have extra invigoration and fight in their own seasons. Norwich City went into that game at Carrow Road. What was it? Six defeats in a bounce without a goal in the competition since November, and all of a sudden, two goals within a minute against Everton. Their season's up and running. Last night was massive in that it allowed Newcastle to to climb up out the bottom three, and to have renewed hope in their season. So it's like a double hit. We're only at Everton losing points against these teams. They're sort of allowing them to come back from the dead, as it were, and that's the, and that's the problem, because I'll go back to my previous point in that I don't think Everton have a lack of quality, but I, I just 
fear there is something intrinsically wrong within the, the mental makeup of this squad that they're unable to get these results. If you look at, okay, it's not over an entire season, but we're looking today at their um, their form over this. If we go since they won at home to Norwich, that run that they've had now with the, just the one Premier League victory, I think it's 15 matches, isn't it? Six points from 15 matches. If you equate that over an entire Premier League season, that's 15 points. That's that's what um, Sunderland got, I think, in, in the mid-noughties. I think only Derby County in 08 have ever got less than that. It's truly, it's not even relegation form. It's like the worst of the relegated teams ever. And OK, that's over 15 matches. And Frank has rightly said, we've almost half a season to get out of this. But they get to the point when we keep saying, um, we keep saying, As things have got to change soon. Things have got to change soon, but we keep saying that. They really, <laughs> when do we say they have to change right now? They just have to stop that rot and get those results. I mean, hopefully it can start with Leeds United on Saturday and that be more like the Brentford display rather than last night's display. But there does come a point where the tide has to turn, else it is going to become a problem because it's almost like they've forgotten how to win. And mm. that's what we hoped that, that Brentford would sort of, G them up in that respect, but it's a it's a very dangerous position to be in. I mean, I'm I'm old enough, same as same as Gav. I remember '94. I was there '94. I was there '98. Very different circumstances, but at least that team in '94 had the character. They were a talented team of individuals who went on to show they won the FA Cup the following year. They just needed the right direction. I've got concerns over this particular bunch of players, whoever's in charge, and I'm, I'm glad it is Frank Lampard, the unifying candidate who all the Evertonians can get behind, because I dread to think what it'd be like now under Vita Pereira, for, for, on you know, the back of you know, a, a result like that last night, because it, 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 it is concerning, just if, unless they break this habit of, of, of defeats. Um, Gav, just before we started recording, I, I sort of said to you, you know, echoing a little bit what Chris has said there about you know, Frank, understandably, he's only come in for, he's only been in a week and he said, next game, let's focus on the next game and the other 17 games, we just have to take it one by one by one. But as I said to you, 17 games will, games will go in a quick, you know, in the blink of an eye, yeah. you know, and, and we could be 10 games into that run and find ourselves in April and still be in the same position. But you made a really interesting point because for, in your mind, it's not 17 games. No. No, absolutely not. Um, because, and this is going back on Chris's point about who we've lost to. Um, I think we've got the worst record in the league against the bottom seven, haven't we? Is that. Is, I'd is imagine that so. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> typical Everton. Um, it, but it isn't, is it? Because you, look, there's probably six or seven games there that we can light off straight away. You know, Man City at home, Liverpool away. You know, we've got to go to Arsenal. Got to go to Spurs. We got Chelsea at home. You know those type of things. I think West Ham away will be tough. I think Newcastle alone will be tough after last night. Um, you know, so once you Wolves, Wolves at home. You know, once you distill it down, all of a sudden five or six wins. It's not out of seventeen games. It's out of eight games, nine games, and that's when we get into Chris your point. Those are the teams that have beaten us. Yeah. This season, your Brentfords, your Norwiches, your Watfords, we've got to go Watfords away, haven't we? Um, you know, those those are the teams actually this season that have got a good record against us. And that's the concern, isn't it, really? It's not as if... In, in some respects, you'd be more comforted if we'd lost all, all, 
all the points we gained were all from teams in and around us, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. Rather than going to Old Stafford and stealing a point and beating Arsenal at home and points against Spurs and so on. Um, and I think we've got to go to Brighton as well, haven't we? Is that right? No, we've won a Brighton, haven't we? Yeah. We've won a Brighton, um, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, it, it, it's not five or six wins from 17 matches. It's five or six wins from eight. Nine matches, which is a more scary prospect for me. And I, I do think, um, as you say, before you know it, it's five or six games have gone and we've won maybe scraped a win. And you've got other teams who are moving up. You think Newcastle will probably move quickly away from the relegation zone. Um, the only saving grace in there, I think, um, is Brentford, isn't it? I think Brentford will get pulled into it. It's not just teams below us. I think Brentford are there. Are in there. Which is, yeah. uh, I never thought to say that, that I find that comforting that Brentford are struggling, but that shows you where we are at the moment. Mm. Let me just, before I come to you, I'll just quickly read um, <clears throat> the, the list of fixtures that um, we've got at home to go this season Newcastle at home, Leicester at home, uh, to be arranged, of course. Leeds at home on Saturday, City at home, Wolves at home, United at home, Palace at home. And then Chelsea at home. Um, obviously, you, you you listened in to the presser yesterday. I, I said to Frank Lampard, I said, based on what you've seen over the first two games, do you feel that the ultimate? I didn't sort of phrase it like this, but I sort of was getting at the point. Does the does the season hinge on Goodison basically? And and he seemed to be in agreement, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he certainly did. And I think you know, going by going by what happened at St James's Park yesterday, you can you can clearly see why why he believes that. I think. Uh, it's something that I wrote in my analysis this morning. I think I think these players are really, really affected by whatever crowd they're playing in front of. You know, Goodison Park. We well, we've seen over you know recent recent months that you know Goodison Park can really g up these players in a, in certain circumstances. You know, we saw that against Brentford. I would argue saw that against Arsenal. Uh, we've seen it against you know the likes of Burnley and Southampton as well. Uh, so far this season, so Goodison Park can really be a, a huge asset to this to this squad of players. But you know, I think it, it goes back to what Bees was rightly saying right at the start that you know th- there's a distinct lack of character in these players when, especially when they go away from home, because you know the, the atmosphere at St James's Park yesterday was, you know, as we would have expected, absolutely electric. You know, right f- right from the start, they had the the flag display on one end, that big tifo thing on the uh, on the other end. You know, it was. It was an intimidating place to go and play football, of, of course, and that's what the Newcastle fans wanted to make it. But those those Everton players just didn't have any of them to to uh, to to get a result. And you know, it, it's not as if there's going to be any easy grounds to go to in the Premier League this year if if you if you're really affected by crowds like that. So yeah, it could really hinge on uh, those home games. But you know, I, I do just still think if you can get. If you can get a decent run of form together, if you can just build some semblance of confidence, games like, you know, Manchester United, for example, you know, they they only drew with Burnley uh, last night. You know, there's no reason to suggest that if Everton can't find some sort of confidence, some sort of form, that they can't get something similar against Manchester United. Well, they did it earlier on in the season at Old Trafford, of course, with with essentially this this squad of players. So it, it it can be done. It's just the, you know, Frank Lampard is a man who's right at the start of his tenure. He's trying to introduce a new way of playing, a new system. They're obviously trying to play much quicker football, trying to 
get it from back to front as as quickly as possible. And it's something you know these these players just haven't been used to uh, so far this season. So it might take a little bit of time to bed in. But the problem is. We just haven't got time anymore. We do. We need to find a way to get it working now, as Bees was saying before as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think home form certainly is going to be crucial, and you know, it, it kind of does make well this Leeds game coming up, for example, it does make it probably the biggest game of the season so far, really. <clears throat> Bees Adam Adam brings on to an interesting point because <clears throat> Frank has cl- has made it clear. He says he's under no illusions about the situation, and they have to get results. But as Adam mentions, he's obviously trying to change the way we play. And that is to a more possession-based um, uh, way of playing, playing out from the back. It, it feels to be quite a brave and bold move because it is almost like we're going from not to 60 with these players because they've gone, they, they started out or played most of the season with Benitez, assisted in counter-attack, not good on the ball, you know, giving up the possession, minimal possession in most games. And they've gone, you know, they've gone from not to 60. Are you comfortable that that's the right approach that, that Lampard's got, that he almost wants to go, we are going to play our way out of this and you're going to get confident by we're going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it? I understand, obviously, the, the danger, definitely given Everton's predicament, the results and the stage they're at in the season. But if that's the way... Frank Lampard wants to go. They they should be they should be good enough. They're, they're not the elite footballers of the Premier League. They're not like Manchester City or, and the like. But they should, they should be able to pass the football. I was watching some of the moves last night, and it's just lamentable. I mean, some of the I call them. I guess in in tennis is it unforced errors? I mean, some of the passes that they you know simple passes to a man and then it's across the park. So yeah, it's going to be teething problems, but. I just, I feel this group of players should be capable of so much more. Hopefully, as Gav said, people like Donny van der Beek coming in. I mean, whatever you think of him and think of Dutch footballs in the Premier League, somebody like him should be able to pass a football, that Deli Alley. So maybe they can sort of start implementing this, this kind of system. But I just expect so much more from this group of players. I understand they're not going to be challenging for honours or right there up at the top of the table. But they should be... We shouldn't just be saying, oh, are Everton going to stay up here? Is that like the measure of Everton will be all right? Because Everton stayed up because they, they finished 16th or 17th. It shouldn't even be close to this. I mean, the reality is it is at the moment. Mm. And this is the reality that they are facing. But they just should be doing so much better. And it, I would call it chronic underachieving. So I hope that Frank can instill the, the confidence within them to just to show, yeah, you are you are decent. You know, you know, you play for X, Y, and Z at international level. You've done this, that, or the other in the game because they they should they should be able to to, to pass a football. We're not asking for tiki taka, but yeah, you can certainly implement a more possession based style of play. Hopefully, mm. okay, got final words for you before we uh, wrap up this sort of short uh, review pod. Um, similar similar thing. Are you comfortable? That the way that Frank is trying to play and and trying to whilst also get results between now and the end of the season, because it's interesting. You look at Newcastle. Eddie Howe's had what month, six weeks, maybe a bit longer. And Lampard mentioned it in the, in, the, in his post match comments, saying he knew the way they were going to play, play up to Chris Wood, be a bit more direct. I mean, there was even a point in the first half. I think Newcastle got a free kick around halfway, and they sent Lascelles 
and I think another centre half all the way up to the edge of the Everton box. Yeah, yeah. And this this is a move you don't normally see until like deep into a game. This was about yeah. fifteen minutes in. Whereas we're clearly trying to play a different way. Are you comfortable with with that as an approach to getting us out of this mess? Um, I think the, I think we need to acknowledge Frank's got two jobs, hasn't he, this season and then the longer term, you know, for the, the following two years. I'd rather some I'd rather him do that than try and employ a style that he's not familiar with. Yeah. You know, managers are managers like anybody. We've all got certain ways we do the job. If somebody asks us to do the job in a different way, then you tend to struggle a bit, don't you? You know, and I think, I think to me, I think I'd rather them work. And his coaching teams all set up around that, isn't it? And so on. I'd, I'd, then, then I'd rather them do that than sort of turn up and go right. Oh, are we going to play this? I mean, he's played three at the back, but he has done some different things maybe what he's done previously. But I've not got a problem with doing what he's doing. Um, I think the players might have, but that's for the that's why the players are paid forty, fifty thousand pounds a week to, to resolve. Go, goes back to that thing I said last week about what Connor Cody said about the key attribute for a player is is being adaptable for change. Both in terms of your manager's personality and the tactics they want to play, and I think, I think that's a key thing. And it's quite obvious from our squad that they're not. Are they? We've had that many managers, and they just can't seem to uh, adapt to anybody. Uh, and and and, uh, but it's up to them. Um, I and it's and and they've got to make it work, haven't they? The, the one thing I take from last night is is we obviously over the last couple of months we've had the you know. Get rid of Anita's, get rid of the board, Mercedes, fault, and then KG options, fault, isn't it? But ultimately, it's all about players, isn't it? You know, I, I said a couple of parts ago that I felt in all the turmoil of the last couple of months, you know, that that the players have been sort of not put under the scrutiny that they need to be, that it's everybody else's fault at the club. But in reality, players are the ones who win and lose your football matches. And we brought Frank Lampard in. Appears to be, you know, a a unity appointment. But we're still left with the same old players, aren't we? We, you know, can't pass a ball. You know, all that type of stuff. Perhaps, you know, char- char- character character's not there. Not a, can't adapt to change. You know, the, unless you, you have the best run club of the world, but you've got a group of players like that, then you're going to struggle, aren't you? So the players got to make it work for me. And uh, pretty soon, well, as on, on Saturday, um, because we've only just got to like, listen to what we're just saying. There we are. It was, it, I think it was Sam Wallace in the, in the Independent described it as a brilliant relegation battle today, which is. So I, don't know what game, I don't know what game he was watching. Yeah, I think that the. the, the the, the desperation, yeah, in general, you know, the, the, the desperation aspect of the fact that it was all a bit helter skelter rather than pretty football made for made for an entertaining spectacle. To see where he's coming from on that, but that indicates we are now playing in games described as relegation battles. Yeah, 
Yeah, a great game if you're a neutral. Sadly, a rather concerning one if you are of a Royal Blue persuasion. Okay, uh, we will leave it there. It was a very snap kind of uh, review. Probably we'll back on Friday, of course, to preview uh, a huge game at Goodison. Chaps, thank you very much for your company. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.